Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome into the Friday, November the 8th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we have a bunch of questions in the Twitter mailbag to get to. It's College Football Friday. I'm going to tell you which games I'm watching and where the big quarterbacks are playing this weekend, plus some news and notes to kick things off. All of that and more, but first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. Voted the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter by Dolphins Twitter. You can find the show at Locked On Fins. We're going to follow you back. And check out LockedOnDolphins.com for all the daily written content on your Miami Dolphins. So we're starting off with a bit of a hodgepodge today. I have many tweets up on my timeline, so if you follow me, you've seen that, but just go ahead and deal with it here. There's plenty of new information on this Friday we can talk about, and we start here with a tweet that I saw from Brian Cat NFL. He is at Cat NFL. I think he hosts the On the Fin Side podcast, and he broke down Gary Jennings, the Dolphins' new addition to the roster. He was a fourth-round pick from the Seattle Seahawks, number 120 overall out of West Virginia, had 151 catches in in 2013 yards the last two seasons at West Virginia. He's six foot one, 214, and ran a 4.42 40-yard dash with 20 bench reps and 37, 37 inches on the vertical jump. This office, front office and coaching staff loves them some guys that can jump out of the gym and be pure athletes. I don't know much about his game as a football player. I know there was plenty of scouts and pundits that liked his game, so he'll get a chance now maybe in the absence of Preston Williams. This tweet from Chris Kaufman at CK Parrott, you all know who he is, comparing Tua Tungavailoa versus Joe Burrow versus top 25 defenses. One of those guys is 131 of 212 for 1,702 yards with 20 total touchdowns and eight interceptions. Joe Burrow, the other one, is 147 for 251 with 1,708 yards, so the same yardage on about 40 more throws with five total touchdowns and five picks. That's a fun one to look at. And then this one here is my favorite of the day because it's the most relevant to the Miami Dolphins. This comes in from Tom Kislingberry. He's at Tom Degenerate on Twitter. Across all NFL teams so far this season, each team has averaged 669 defensive snaps for rookies. Miami have recorded 1,721. That's over two and a half times as much defensive rookie playing time as the average team. The Dolphins have more rookie defensive snaps than Minnesota, Philadelphia, Chicago, Dallas, Baltimore, New England, Atlanta, and New Orleans combined of all rookie cornerback snaps in 2019, one in seven have been Dolphins players. And remember, this Dolphins passing defense has been number nine in the NFL, a top 10 passing defense over the last four weeks with those guys in the lineup. Bad coaching? Yeah, I don't think so, Tim. I don't think so, Tim. I don't think so, Tim. That's not how it works. 
And one of the podcasts I mention the most on this podcast is the Move the Sticks podcast. How many times can you say podcast in one little paragraph? Well, apparently it's four, but Move the Sticks, they have all kinds of guests, and those two guys on the show are both scouts. I love hearing them talk about quarterbacks. I thought the interview with Urban Meyer was very telling and kind of gave us a little bit of insight about Joe Burrow. Now, I said he was sneaky athletic on Twitter, and that's one of those white guy tropes that I think you have to be careful with when it comes to race and everything involved with that. But at the same time, when you see Joe Burrow play football, originally you're like, yeah, he's not much of an athlete. And then the pocket breaks down and he escapes and makes a play and runs for a first down. And all of a sudden you can say, okay, I did not see that coming. That's what I mean by Joe Burrow. And some of that comes from his basketball background. He was one hell of a high school basketball player in his day as well. Big fan of the two sport athlete, but also Urban Meyer said that Joe Burrow had a borderline psychotic level of competitiveness to his game. I think that really will resonate well with this Dolphin staff. And another note he made about the college quarterback tiers that he has, he still has Tua Tungavailoa number one. He made that very clear, but he did say that he doesn't think the evaluation this season has even begun on Tua because of how good the Alabama offense was. I thought that was pretty surprising coming from a guy like Jeremiah who should be able to get notes out of every single game as an evaluator. I fully believe that. Maybe he doesn't, but whatever. We move on. The other tweet from today, going back to a tweet I put out on July 26th, that was the second day of Dolphins training camp, talking about how rocked up Devontae Parker looked during training camp, and he did take a couple of nicks and bruises in camp and miss some time during the preseason. But Parker's played all eight games this year, and we know how consistent he's been on pace for about 900 receiving yards, 70 catches, and a whole bunch of touchdowns, 13 of them. Well, he hasn't been hurt. He's been consistent, and he's produced, and I think that the fact that he was in the gym this offseason has a lot to do with that. Other news, it sounds like A.J. Green's going to miss the rest of the season. Yikes, out indefinitely. I put out on Twitter on Wednesday that I think that if A.J. Green plays against the Jets and against the Dolphins, they will win those two games because the Dolphins, all those rookie secondary members we talked about, they don't have much of a chance, in my opinion, up against a guy like A.J. Green, one of the best receivers of the last seven or eight years. And also the Jets, we saw what Preston Williams and Devontae Parker did to those dudes. Well, A.J. Green is Devontae Parker and Preston Williams on steroids. So you see how that matchup would have benefited the Cincinnati Bengals. And we will talk about College Football Friday here on the end of this podcast, but let's now go ahead and talk about the weekend viewing guide. I put this up on Twitter every single Thursday. On Saturday, Alabama is at, or LSU rather is at Alabama. That's at 3.30 on CBS. I imagine every single one of you guys is watching that game with a very intent eye, also because there's talent all over the football field there. But we'll talk about non-quarterbacks here in the third segment. Georgia and Jake Fromm, they play Missouri. Jake Fromm's pretty much had a lot of his big games and showed you some of that big game success against Florida last week, for instance, and Notre Dame in the same vein. Well, he plays Missouri this week, and that game is on 7 o'clock on ESPN. Utah State and Jordan Love, they play against Fresno State. That game is also at 7 on CBS Sports Network. I'm going to be back with my Saturday college football scouting and reviewing and videos and talking ball with you guys all Saturday long. Last Saturday was the one of the year I had off down in South Florida. Now I'm back home with nothing to do, so I watch football. On Sunday, Bengals and Ravens, of course, for the tank. That's a big game there. Jets and the Giants, you really hope the Jets can find the second win in that game. 
Falcons at Saints. I'm not going to hold my breath there, but the Falcons are another one-win football team. Dolphins at the Colts, you know about that, 4.05 Eastern time. And Steelers are against the Rams at home in Pittsburgh, I should say. That kickoff is at 4.25. Plenty of good football for you this weekend to check out. And if you want to get a little bit of action on those games, you guys got to check out my bookie. I've been telling you about them all season long because if you know anything about football, why would you not take advantage of that and win some cash for your football knowledge? Between football season, NBA, and the start of college hoops, it's time to get off the sideline and get into the action with my bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little bit and win a lot, try a parlay. Maybe you like fantasy points and individual players in their fantasy scores. You can bet on that. You can do a teaser. Everything you want is available at my bookie. So if you're going to do the smart thing and bet sports this season, then you've got to do the smart thing and do it with mybookie.ag because nobody gives you more ways to win than they do. If you join right now, mybookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use promo code Locked On to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code Locked On to take advantage of mybookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit mybookie.ag today you play, you win, you get paid. What's funny about some of the iTunes reviews I get on this podcast is that a few of the complaints have to do with the speed and the pace and the tempo of my voice. And I understand that, but the funny part is This is like my trained version of my voice where I've spent over, what, 500 podcasts now really trying to hone the speed and tempo of my voice, and I have kind of learned that radio voice inflection a little bit, but the reason I'm talking about this is I have this very bad energy drink addiction, and it used to be Rockstar, the zero-carb, zero-sugar Rockstar, but now it's Bang, the workout drink with the creatine in it, and... Even though I know it's going to happen to me, I'll still bust them out and drink them while I'm on the show, and they really generate saliva in my mouth, which makes it harder to open my mouth and speak, so you're going to get a faster podcast from me when I have one of these bangs, and I know it every single time, yet I still do it. I think that is the definition of addiction. But let's go ahead and answer some of your questions here on the Locked On Dolphins mailbag. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And the first one here comes in from Noah DuPont. He's at Noah's a dork. This guy is one of my best buddies of Twitter. Met him a few times at Safeco Field. Go M's. What do you think happens with Albert Wilson this offseason? Do you think the offense could use Jakeem Grant properly or is he not a good fit? Well, I think it's a little bit conflicting here because on one hand, Devontae Parker and Preston Williams are by far the best receivers on this team this year. But I also think that if you're going to build this offense around Tua Tungavailoa, and we all hope that happens... I think that Grant and Wilson are great fits because he does better with speed receivers and guys that can get open early, and he has the accuracy anticipation to put the ball on them and allow them to make big plays after the catch. But on the other hand, Albert Wilson with the hip injury, it's just he hasn't been the same. I had Kevin Dern on the podcast a while back ago. His wife is in the medical field, and she told him that if Wilson gets the surgery, he'll never be the same. If he doesn't get the surgery... He's never going to be the same. And I think we've kind of seen some of that. Who was He was injured all throughout training camp and working off to the side, finally got back into action, then had to miss some more games, and now he's back. 
He is paid $8 million next year if he comes back. They can get out of that contract for very minimal penalty. And the same is true of Jakeem Grant, who basically had a one-year prove-it deal. And then if he would have proven it, he would have gotten a three-year extension if they kept him through this offseason. So I think the Dolphins have to make a decision there. I tend to think I would keep Grant and go away from Wilson because of the hip and because of the money. And I think you can probably draft that kind of production somewhere late in the draft and not have to pay him $8 million. So I think that Grant could be back. I think that Wilson will be gone. But at the end of the day, if you kept these four guys with Tua Tungavailoa and Mike Kosicki, you might be set right there at your skill position. Well, Sands running back, of course. Next question was from Tom Cavanaugh. He's at Tom Anik one but Tom, I already talked about Jakeem Grant, so I do appreciate your question, sir. Wanted to get the shout out here on the podcast. That was the bang, slurring my words right there. Kyle Smith is up next. He's at Kyle Smith 1626. What's more likely, we add more picks or use picks to move up? I think the Dolphins are going to be very, very conscious of trade down opportunities in that first round because they're going to have many, many roster holes to fill on this roster. And really, just to fill out a 53-man roster is going to require some work this offseason. So I think they're going to be all about acquiring more draft picks and especially more picks in 2021. And that becomes even more tenfold if they can't get to a tongue of Iloa because I still believe that he is option 1A, B, C, yada, yada, yada. You've heard me on that train before, that train of thought. I think that if they can't get the top quarterback they want this year, I believe they'll come up with a different solution, an alternative solution, but also be very, very conscious of the fact that they could just go back in 2021 and go after Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, or maybe Jordan Love goes back to school and plays like he did in 2018 in 2020, and then you draft him in 2021. So I think they'll trade back in the first round, acquire more picks. But then from there, Kyle, if they have guys they like in the second or third round, that's why they have all this ammunition because you can toss a fifth round pick and not be worried about it to go up eight spots and get your guy. So I think early on, trade back. Later on, be aggressive. Be aggressive. This next one here comes in from El Cid Ciento 33. He's at skip underscore 1951. What is your priority order by position for draft picks? Quarterback number one, without a question. And then after that would be the secondary because I have been complaining for three off seasons now that this team is short on bodies in the secondary. And you go back to something Matt Burke said last year that he was aware of the fact they needed to play more dime defense, but he couldn't do it because he only had five guys. Well, I'm looking at the Dolphins cornerback and safety roster right here, and I'm seeing a bunch of undrafted guys that Brian Flores is getting into roles, and maybe they have some struggles at points, like the Chris Lamont's play where he got beat by Jamison Crowder, but they're still contributing in a way that gives you enough faith to put them back onto the field in that dime defense. So I call bull pucky on Matt Burke's point. And I think this team, if they really truly want to thrive in this defense, they're going to have to find some more linebackers that can do the multi-versatile things they want to do. But even more so than that, get more bodies in the secondary and get more lockdown cornerbacks across the board that can play sticky tight man coverage and then have safeties that can do everything for you on defense. So number one, quarterback. Number two, anything in the secondary, basically. Number three, offensive line. I'll go four linebacker, and then we'll go ahead and say five is defensive line, I suppose, and running backs in there as well. Next question from Morgan Lewis. He's at Mo underscore Lou 20. Do you think that you'll be located in the Miami area for good prior to the start of next season's football activities? Yes. Yes, I do. 
Next question here from Arturo Aguirre. He's at Turo23. Do you see the Dolphins pulling a Washington football team, nice, and draft more than one quarterback in the draft or trade for slash sign in free agency and also draft a quarterback in the later rounds? That's been an approach that really... I think kind of started with the Seattle Seahawks in 2012 with Matt Flynn and then, of course, Russell Wilson. And you mentioned the, the Washington football team. They do it with Robert Griffin and Kirk Cousins. I assume that's what you're talking about. I think a lot of that depends on what Ryan Fitzpatrick wants to do because I think that he has earned himself the right to come back next year and maybe even take a contract extension because he was talking about how much fun he's having playing right now for this team, for this organization, and the opportunity that he's gotten. I really hope they find a way to keep Ryan Fitzpatrick around as a player for as long as they can, and then maybe if he wants to, I doubt it because he has seven kids, but the transition into a coaching role or even a front office role, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick's a fantastic guy to have around your organization. So I would assume that he is the backup slash mentor to the early round draft pick like a Tua or whoever that might be next season. But if he does retire, then yeah, absolutely. Go out and find a young player that can go ahead and help with that. Or also to go into free agency. The only thing is there, you just never know what you're going to get in free agency, especially at the quarterback position. Like, am I going to pay Teddy Bridgewater 20 million plus in excess of that? Absolutely not. So I'd avoid that at all costs. Ryan Fitzpatrick's so valuable for so many reasons, but also because his contract is super affordable in the current structure of the NFL quarterback hierarchy. Next question here from Ryan Kubler. Kubler at Ryan underscore Kubler. Would you be happy with the Dolphins drafting Chase Young with their first pick and then draft Hertz and trade for slash sign Cam Newton? Look, I was one of the biggest Cam Newton supporters during that stretch where he kind of was piled on for his inaccuracy issues because of that shoulder injury and... I still contest that that's the reason why his play fell off and the fact that they wanted to kind of preserve his his football ability by not running him on so many designed runs. But if you gave me Cam Newton from 2015 or, or when he was healthy, absolutely I'd be all over that. But I just don't think this team's going to be that obsessed with Chase Young. I think Dolphins fans have to get used to the fact that this team is going to go off the reservation away from the consensus with your normal draft norms, especially at that defensive end position, because we saw them this offseason basically say no thank you to every possible pure pass rusher. Tank Carradine was kind of that. J. Ron Elliott was kind of that from the AAF, and he got cut before camp started. They talked about going to Trey Flowers. They talked about Davian Clowney, those guys really defend the run very, very well. I think run defense is going to be the biggest priority at that edge position where your linebackers are the ones that get the biggest pass rush. Because you go to New England and it's Dante Hightower and Kyle Van Noy are their two best pass rushers and their linebackers. So think about big run defending defensive ends like AJ Epinesa out of Iowa. And then Jalen Hurts. I would be okay with Jalen Hurts if it wasn't on day one, maybe on like the third round or something like that. I'd be okay with taking a flyer on him and developing him, but I still think he has a long way to go before he's an NFL quarterback, so I would not go very high on him with a premium resource. Next question here from Orange Finn 44 He's at JShu2313. Build up the rest of the team or trade all three first-rounders for Tua? I would take Tua in this instance because I still believe that you get the marquee quarterback. That's the first step to becoming a dominant dynasty type of franchise. I know it doesn't work out for everybody, but I very strongly believe in Tua Tungavailoa. And that's kind of the thing that I think irks me a little bit on these quarterback discussions is we use these 
these def- definitive blanket statements to go ahead and cover all quarterbacks. That's not how it should be. Every single quarterback should be held as an individual case, an individual standard. And my personal evaluation of Tua is a top five elite quarterback in the NFL that can grow into that very quickly. And I do not take that lightly. I do not pass on that or balk on that, even if it costs me three first round picks, because I think that those guys are rare. If you can find them, you spare no expense to go out and get them. That's who I think Tua is. Next year, I think Trevor Lawrence could be that. And I did think that Kyler Murray was that last season. There has been a really nice influx of young, talented quarterbacks into the league. There are there are more quarterbacks right now that are good in this league than I think ever before. So I think it's becoming even more paramount to go out and find that guy that can be elite and push you into Super Bowls in the future. All right, man, these are some good questions you guys are asking today. Getting plenty of good content here. We're hyped up on Bang. We're going to take our last break. And speaking of Bang, have you had a long day at work? Still stuck at the office? Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. I returned back to school on Thursday after missing Monday and then skipping out on Tuesday because I didn't get home until about three o'clock in the morning my time and class was at nine with an hour drive. That was never going to happen. And then Wednesday didn't have class. And so Thursday was my first day back and the fart kid moved a seat closer to me and was ripping ass all day long and sneaking up the whole entire room. But I was the one that caught the brunt of it. So it's been a rough day for me. And I know it's a first world problem to the the biggest degree, but I mean, getting farts pumped into your nostrils, not all that fun. And I had to deal with it for two and a half hours today, but we do have Thursday night football coming up. And let's go ahead and get into that before we get back into the mailbag. If we have enough time, I love those questions you guys were asking, and I'm just going down the top to the bottom on that list. So I appreciate you guys writing in. We'll get to some more of those here in just a minute. College football Friday last week, I went three and three. So once again, just hanging out around that 500 line, baby, milking you dry by the juice. We are 31 and 31 on the season. That's almost a an accomplishment in its own right. Not really. So this week we're going with Maryland plus 45.2 against Ohio state TCU plus two and a half against Baylor Penn state minus seven over the Gophers row the boat PJ Fleck Alabama minus six over LSU Washington state minus seven go Cougs over Cal Texas minus seven over Kansas. And that's it. That's all we're going to talk about because I suck so bad at these picks lately. And we already did the viewing guide in the first segment of the podcast. So now we're going to talk about the slate of games in college football with non-quarterbacks, who you should be watching. And I know it's a non-quarterback thing, but Washington plays on Friday night. Anytime you get a Friday night game and there's a big time quarterback, I'll tell you to watch Jacob Eason. Not a big fan of his game, but check him out for yourself. They're on the road in Corvallis at Oregon State. And for the biggest game of the AM, my 9 o'clock kickoff window out here on the West Coast, that Penn State-Minnesota game is a big one. I can't wait to watch it. My best friend is a gopher, so I'm rooting hard for the gophers. But I'm going to go ahead and look at Yatir Gross-Matos, the defensive end from Penn State. He kind of fits the mold of what Miami might do as a conversion outside edge type of a player. A guy like perhaps someone like Kalevon Chason from LSU. I think he kind of fits that mold a little bit. 
And this guy's not eligible until next year, but Purdue is on at 9 o'clock in the morning as well against Northwestern. Noon for you guys on the East Coast. Rondell Moore is the most exciting player in college football, and I believe he's healthy and back playing for them. Ohio State also plays at the noon window, 9 a.m. West Coast. Jeffrey Akuda, Chase Young, Sean Wade, all those dudes on that defense just continue to ball out every single week. For you Canes fans out there, Louisville is in town this weekend. Go ahead and check out Makai Becton, the massive left tackle who could be a Dolphin in the future. And then at 12.30, Kansas State is at Texas. That's the game I have the pick on, Texas over Kansas State. But the defensive end prospect that caught my eye in the Oklahoma game two weeks ago, Wyatt Hubert. I can't wait to get a look at him and see how he looks against this Texas offense. Keep an eye on him. Iowa is at Wisconsin. That game's at 4 o'clock Eastern. You've got Jonathan Taylor, Tyler Bayadash on Wisconsin, AJ Epinesa, and Tristan Wirfs of Iowa in that one as well. In the late windows, we've got Notre Dame against Duke, Julian Aquara, as well as Khalid Kareem, the two edge prospects for the Fighting Irish. Clemson's at NC State, Isaiah Simmons, T. Higgins, Travis Etienne, all those boys at that Clemson program. Get an eye on them. Oklahoma's in the night window. You know about Creed Humphrey and Kenneth Murray, as well as Jalen Hurts and C.D. Lamb. Check out those dudes. And if there's anybody I'm missing, I see I got Tennessee and Kentucky here. That's at 730. Trey Smith, the massive left guard for the Volunteers. But if you guys want to tell me about a prospect I haven't talked about, please do because I'm all ears. All I can really do is keep an eye on the guys I see. Let me know who you want me to watch. We'll talk about them on future podcasts. And now we've got a little bit more time here for a couple more Twitter questions. And we go back to Glenn Lang. He's at Glenn underscore Lang, keeping it simple. If the Dolphins don't hit the roster, how do you think that Flores and his staff would have done with the team we had last year, I didn't think it was terrible, just poor leadership. I agree with it, Glenn, and I think this team would have been in the hunt for the playoffs with this horrible AFC top of the conference we have right now. There's no reason to think Miami couldn't be doing what Buffalo is doing with their horrible schedule they had. The Dolphins play the exact same schedule, just at different times. Miami could be getting gearing up to make a run right now under Brian Flores, and the fact that this staff always seems to find a way to get, or I guess Patriot staffs in the past, and the fact that there are four staffers from New England on this current staff, the fact that they always get their teams playing better from September through December, I think there's no reason to believe they couldn't have won nine or ten games under Ryan Tannehill with Laramie Tunzel and Kenny Stills and Kenyon Drake. Yeah, absolutely. Much better coached on defense. 100% agree with that idea, Glenn. And also a shout out to Bella, your 11-year-old daughter who is forced to hear my voice every single morning on the podcast. Well, I appreciate you, Glenn, and I'm sorry, Bella, but I promise he means well, and I promise he loves you, and I promise this Dolphins team will be better in the future, and you can start listening to a daily podcast for a winning team very, very soon. Have a good day at school, Bella. Next question here from Chris Murray. He's at MurrayC89. December stretch of games could be argued to argued to be easier, i.e. the Giants, Bengals, Jets, Browns. Do you think we'll win any of those games and further hurting our draft position for Tua and Joe Burrow? I think it depends on how the Dolphins' health situation plays out over the next four weeks. If Ryan Fitzpatrick plays those games, yeah, they're going to be competitive in those games because he's playing really, really well right now. Ryan Fitzpatrick's a top 20 quarterback over since he came back into the lineup in the NFL, and he's keeping this team in games, and the defensive coaching job is also keeping them in games. If they have both those facts in December, 100%, they're going to be in those games and probably win a couple of them. If it's Josh Rosen, I would feel very comfortable about this team going the rest of the way without a victory, and if they do that, if they finish 1-15, based on the way the schedule lies out, 
and the strength of schedule, they're going to pick number one overall in the draft. Do we want that? Do we want to find some more success and win games? It's a difficult battle to figure out if you want the coaching staff to improve and continue to improve this roster, or if you want that quarterback, it's a tricky catch-22 type of scenario. We are out of time, but I'm having such a good time right here. We'll do a couple more questions. This one from Leighton Stoffer at Stoffer underscore Leighton. What do you want to see from the defense this week in order to build off of last week against a very well-coached Indianapolis offense? If they can find a way to stop the Colts running game, that would be so impressive for this coaching staff to get that accomplished, but I don't know if they have the bodies to even make that feasible, so that's kind of a tall order. But just to keep this team in the game by slowing down the Colts offense because it really is going to offer a difficult matchup for them, and they're going to have to keep them in third and long by stopping the run on early downs in order to get off the field on third down, and if they can accomplish that, it would just add another feather to the cap and add even more excitement for me about the future of the Dolphins coaching staff. Last one here, no, two more here. This one from Jimmy Osala, at Jimmy Osala on Twitter. You mentioned on your podcast yesterday about trying for Gardner Minshew. Oh boy, I'm going to get taken over the coals again for this one. If available in free agency, what would your initial offer and final max offer be to him? Well, he's not going to be available in free agency, and that's a big reason why I advocated for exploring that trade because you would get him the next three seasons for 550 grand, 650 grand, and 750 grand the year after. So $2.2 million for a franchise quarterback for three years sounds really friggin' good to me. That's why I like the idea. I don't want to go any further on this. He's a good player. That's it. Rookie of the year, rookie of the week, rather, six out of eight weeks he started. Come on, what else do you want? Last one here. Mr. Stubborn at Abduarte underscore one. Is the game tape from Justin Herbert the same from last season to this season? Has he made any improvements on things he needed to work on? I say adamantly no to that because the Oregon offense is all screens and runs and quick throws. He's had a few situations where he's made big time dig route or excuse me, drive throws on dig routes and deep outs. And those are super, super impressive. He's made some plays with his legs. The athleticism is clearly there, but the consistent mistakes about not understanding situations, not having a feel for pressure, not being situationally aware, no really signature moment where he won a big game on the road or just a big game in general. Yeah, he beat UW, but UW sucks this year. They're like five and four in the Pac-12 of all conferences. So he lost to Auburn. He lost all the big games he's played in his career, and he was a big part of those losses. So for me, Justin Herbert just does not move the needle at all. I think that he's just a big athlete with a big arm that folks get enamored with, and he's not that good of a quarterback. And that officially means it's weekend time for me. Once I publish the Thursday podcast, my week worth of work is over until Saturday and the college scouting threads up on Twitter, as well as the article up on LockedOnDolphins.com. Do not forget to check that out on Saturday. We'll also be back with you guys on Sunday for the recap podcast, as well as the recap column up on LockedOnDolphins.com. But until then, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night and weekend. We'll talk to you again on Sunday for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. This was not-